You are listening to the Live Better Show with Brett and Jason, where we dive into life crushers, changing their game, talking about wellness, and sharing a message of putting plan into action. Live Better is based on five pillars. Move better, eat better, think better, give better, and live better. We move for freedom, to do and go where and when we want. We practice good nutrition to combat an age of being overfed and undernourished. We practice mindfulness for ways to live purposefully. We give better as the basis for why we do anything at all, especially when focusing on the health of our clients and community. And at the intersection of it all, we live better. Health and wellness is the sustainable fuel to do whatever it is in life you want to do better. Our guests share their story, their mission, and the pursuit of having the best day ever every single day. Hey! Turn up, bitch! <laughs> Today's sponsor of the Live Better Show is Hyperice. At Hyperice, their mission is to provide athletes with a set of tools that improve performance by accelerating recovery time, preventing injury, and enhancing the body's ability to move more efficiently. All Hyperice products are developed and tested to meet the standards of the world's best athletes. Vibrating foam rollers and balls, the best ever. We simply cannot get enough of the Hypersphere and Vipers. We use them before and after every training session we complete, whether that's for running or rock climbing. We are also lucky enough to provide you with the best discount code ever. Use the code LIVEBETTER20 for a 20% discount off the site. Hey, it is Brett and Jason here with the Live Better Podcast. Couldn't be more excited to have the founders of F3 Nation on the show today, David, a.k.a. Dread, and Tim, a.k.a. OBT. Super excited to have you guys on the show today. How you guys doing out in uh, Carolina? We're doing great. Doing great. We appreciate y'all having us on. Sweet. Um, so could you just give our listeners a little insight into what F3 is right now? Sure. Um, we are a national network of free workouts for men. Um, and basically the idea is you show up at a park or a school parking lot or um, often a Walmart parking lot uh, in any of our locations, usually at 5.15 or 5.30 in the morning, and you're going to get um, a 45-minute to an hour-long workout led by a guy who participates in the workout group, um, and, uh, and you'll, get, you'll get your butt kicked usually. So that's, uh, that's kind of the deal. Show up, uh, do the workout. Uh, we'll give you a nickname at the end. And that's the only passport you need to uh, to become a card carrying member of F three Nation. <laughs> that's great. Can you can you give us an insight into the nicknames? I guess because you just mentioned it, and uh, knowing by what your guys' nicknames are, where did that start, and why is that a thing? Yeah, this is dread. I wanted to just point out that OBT just made up that passport into a butt kicking or whatever. I've never heard that before. <laughs> passport. That's a good idea. Yeah, we're making the stuff up as, up as we go along sometimes. Isn't that kind of what we always do? That's kind of what we always do, which is a good uh, entree into the idea of the nickname. So uh, this is something we borrowed from uh, the group from which F3 sprung. Nothing F3 stands for or does really is invented. It's just us stealing ideas from other groups that work very well and then maybe uh, repackaging them at most. But that's really kind of what we are. And the nickname thing is part of that. So we got that idea from something called the Post, which is the predecessor workout to F3 in Charlotte. Tim and I met there. And uh, the guy who ran that thing had a habit of issuing nicknames to guys. And he is a great instinctive leader and realize that if you're building something that's kind of tribal by nature, 
that to separate it from the rest of the world, guys had to have their own names, you know, to identify that. But what this guy was really good at was recognizing small idiosyncrasies about each new guy that maybe even the guy wasn't aware of. And he did that in an hour. Uh, so, you know, worked out, new guy shows up, you know, he might be wearing a shirt or had driven a car or something that signaled to this leader something about the guy uh, that would formulate in the, in the man's mind, this is what I'm going to do as far as the nickname goes. And at the end of every workout, he'd just say to the new guy, you know, where you're from, what do you do for a living, and he would just come up with the nicknames. For example, in my case, my name, my full name is Dave Redding, and I'm a lawyer. Uh, and he said, all right, you're Judge Dredd, you know, like the movie. And uh, so D, Red, Dredd, which is perfect and very close to something I've been called before. Uh, just for Graham, he just completely nailed me with that. And after a couple of weeks, they just dropped the judge because, you know, I don't have a judicial temper. So, uh, you know, you morph a little bit to make it more accurate. Now, in the case of OBT, uh, it's both, you know, from our standpoint, it's supposed to be a backhanded slap across the face. But to him, it's a little bit of a compliment because uh, the guy's got, you know, a bit of spine. He shows up to this workout with a bunch of, you know, older, conservative, obviously right-wing leaning guys working out in the uh, in a park by themselves and he drives up in a Prius with a uh, Obama bumper sticker on it you know this is when Obama was running for president somewhere in 2008 and he was the only guy uh, who was voting for Obama in that crew that's and, not true actually yeah the only guy who wanted to admit it <laughs> which is you. why it was a compliment to him and uh, the leader named him OBT which was Obama Tim and uh, <laughs> uh, Obama Tim you know we've given Obama Tim uh, OBT many chances to uh, change his nickname over the years uh, as his namesake has been progressively uh, discredited oh stop and uh, OBT has, has refused to do that uh, he's been a stand up guy I, let's just be clear about this my my kids asked me last year whether I was going to be re nicknamed under the new president's name and I said no thanks I'll, I'll stick with Obama Tim yeah. thank you <laughs> In comparison, I guess you could say it's pretty much even out. So uh, that's how the nickname thing uh, at least started for OBT and I. And, and as we started this F3 thing, and we saw that it worked just as well in our organization. That guys would come, you know, they'd participate, they'd see that everybody else had a nickname, you know, and then when you got to the end of the workout and realized that all you had to do was do one workout and you get a nickname, that's been a big part of the glue that keeps us together. So we've kept it going. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Giving out nicknames is always a way to build family, and I think people it's a it's a nice way to be to feel like you're a part of a group. Like you feel so much more personal and connected when somebody feels comfortable enough to give you a nickname. So I think that's a really awesome way. Just initially, no matter what, to help build community. Hopefully, to get somebody to come back and feel like they've kind of bought in and and have friends to to work out with and and join up. Well, and, and, and I'll add to that just by saying that, you know, we'll, 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 as you just heard Dave explain, the, the nickname is often a little bit mocking, um, if not a lot mocking. And, uh, and so when dealing with a group, and particularly in an all-men's setting, um, the ability of a guy to kind of own that and, and live with that and, and not complain about it if he doesn't like it uh, becomes kind of a, a little bit of a rite of passage for a lot of guys. So we'll tell guys. You know, you may not like that one very much, but uh, if you complain about it, you're, you're really not going to like the next one we come up with. So. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, with with the group, um, and obviously joking around, and you know, getting nicknames and creating that sense of community. Why is it all men? 
Yeah, that's uh, that's not as actually as hard to look from the outside. No. Number one reason is because Tim and I's uh, objective was to help men. You know, we recognize this problem in our community in Charlotte of middle-aged guys being lonely. You know, they had plenty of interaction. It wasn't that they were alone. I mean, they're surrounded by people. You know, we, we have jobs. We have uh, families. We're all, mostly all family men. But we're lonely, and the thing we're lonely for is male companionship. You know, just to get away periodically, to be among other men and do the things that other men do. And uh, so that's really what it is. It's, in a sense, it's a ministry to men. So to open that up to, to, to women, too, would obviously destroy the point of it. And, uh, that just doesn't work. Every once in a while, you know, we could get questions about that, and we really didn't have that as a problem we hadn't solved because very quickly after we started the organization, a companion uh, group started alongside it, which is called FIA, and that stands for Females in Action. And uh, that's the wives of F3 guys, and like, this is great, and we want to start one, too, and they're just as determined to have it just for women as we are just for men, so it really works out. Yeah, that that's super cool. I think um, you you kind of hit the the nail on the head with the. I really liked how you just described it of um, lonely versus being alone. I think that's a very interesting thought to kind of ponder on because a lot of people are around people all day, but if you don't share interest, um, and your example, it's you know it's very it's a very good setting when it's guys and guys because they can talk about things and be super open, super real, um, and kind of break down a barrier, I think, of being open around other guys. Obviously, the workout is the means to get people there, but you got to get into other things. I mean, I'm sure a lot of the guys after the workouts go grab coffee um, or breakfast or something like that. Can you guys talk about the relationships that develop along the way outside of the workout itself? Yeah, so, so look, I mean, the reality, what, what I often tell people is the reality is that F3 is actually a leadership academy, um, and, and the workout is just kind of the bait to get guys in. We talk about the, the first F, that fitness is kind of the magnet that pulls guys in, but, uh, but our second F, which is fellowship, is really the glue that brings them back time again. Nobody, when the alarm goes off at 445, for that 515 workout, um, nobody's jumping out of bed because they're dying to do burpees in, in the <laughs> rain or the 20 degree cold or whatever. It's because they're they're looking forward to seeing the guys uh, out there and and sharing that kind of beginning part of the day with the guys that they're friends with. So we we kind of kind of realized that early on. I don't think we I don't think we really understood it at the very beginning, um, but it became clear to us. And, and as Dave and I kind of looked at what was happening with F3 and looked at our own lives and and what what being part of these workout groups had done. We, we realized that we were kind of tapping into this this sort of loneliness issue that that there were um, it was funny I was I was over in Chapel Hill the other night talking to a bunch of kids uh, in, a, in a fraternity that I'm doing some work with um, over there and I said you guys are gonna find this hard to believe but there's gonna come a point in your life when you're not gonna have all your best buddies around you yeah. living with you and hanging out with you all the time anymore and and you know you get into your 20s and, and you get married and you're in your 30s and maybe you have kids and stuff and all of a sudden the male friendships that you had when you were in college or, or even in the military like Dave was. And and that loneliness that comes from that, you try to substitute with work friends, you try to stay in touch with your college buddies, you know, maybe you become friends with the husbands or boyfriends of your wife's friends, but it's never quite the same because those aren't friends that you necessarily choose for yourself. And and nice thing with our setup is 
guys, you come together, you work out together, and then, you know, guys just kind of naturally form friendships in that setting. You know, it's not just here. Last week we were in Peru. Uh, we took almost 30 guys from Charlotte down to Peru, and uh, we worked out with these Peruvian guys at 5.30 in the morning, and uh, the folks that we coordinated with are like, well, you know, they don't really want to get up at 5.30 in the morning, but they did. <laughs> yeah. They did. And then they came back, and we played soccer with them at night. I saw that. Yeah. And we played, back, you know, we played soccer on small fields, soccer on big fields. I mean, we went to a Peruvian prison, and uh, we said, what do you, do you all want to do? They're like, do you guys know how to play basketball? And we said, yeah, we know how to play basketball. We played basketball against these guys. I mean, <laughs> You're lucky you didn't pull a hamstring playing basketball. I'm telling you, you know, <laughs> I, it was the, probably I went down there worried that I was going to get out of shape, but basically it turned into a two-a-day. And uh, it's universal language amongst men to pit ourselves against each other in friendly, friendly physical rival. And you do that, uh, and you sweat together, and you bang it around for 45 minutes, and then suddenly, I mean, guys don't say anything to each other. And friendships form so quickly from that. And uh, Tim alluded to me having been in the military. That's why we did PT first thing in the morning. I mean, that was not just for physical fitness, because there's a heck of a lot of typists in the Army. You don't need everybody's not out there toting a rifle. But everybody gets a lot of unit cohesiveness out of working out together. And that's why every unit in the Army, whatever its mission is, advocates unit PT because it forms unit cohesiveness. And the Army has known that for 200 years, and it's true for men in here in Charlotte. It's true for y'all, wherever y'all in Chicago, and it's true in Peru. Apparently, at least we found out last week. Yeah, that is, I think that's awesome that you're finding it regardless of where you are. I think when you develop something and you see it works, it, that's a, it's just a human nature thing. It's like, but it's really cool to see it happen when you go to Peru or when you guys travel and when you move from place to place. Um, that's, that's pretty amazing. When you guys have um, thought about the progression of F3, um, when it started, when you guys met up, and to where it is now, can you kind of lead us down how it's developed into, if, if my numbers are correct, 1,300 workouts a week in 25 different states? That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. That doesn't just happen because guys want to get together to work out. There's got to be something else behind it. Well, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I, it actually kind of, kind of does, but I, I guess, you know, the, the, the main thing I would say about that is, you know, we started the very first F3 workout was January 1st, 2011 at a middle school here in Charlotte. Um, and we really started it because the, that predecessor workout where, where Dave and I had met, the, the guy who led it, a, a very talented leader in a lot of ways, but, but it got to a size, we were about 24, 25 guys coming out regularly where it was bigger than he wanted it to be. And there were some people starting to show up that he didn't know and wasn't that comfortable with. And he basically said, you know what, that's it. It's, we're going to close it down to new people. And and Dave and I had gotten to know each other by then, and we were having lunch and kind of talking about what, what this workout was doing in our lives. And we sort of looked at each other and said, well, that's that's crazy. We, we want to get this in front of more guys. Um, and so that was really the impetus to go start the other workout in another location. And from day one, um, we had 34 guys show up on New Year's morning um, to work out with us, which was about, I'd say, 
probably 32 or 33 more than we expected. <laughs> and, and, you know, you get about five minutes in the workout on New Year's morning, guys start sweating out whatever they'd, uh, they'd had the night before. So it smells like a distillery out there. And, uh, um, and, and we sort of figured, well, New Year's resolutions, you know, this place will look like, you know, it'll be like the Y locker room in, in, in February, you know, compared to what it was the first week of January, but they kept coming out, and they kept wanting more. They wanted to work out on Wednesdays. They wanted to work out on Tuesdays, um, so we started adding workouts, and and everything that's happened since then has been a result of what we talk about in terms of we were trying to build the road 43 feet ahead of where we're going to drive it, drive on it, and so it's really been this constant balancing act of, okay, how do we find guys to plant new workouts and to lead them? And, and then subsequently, when we want to go to new cities, how do we find guys who are willing to go to new cities um, and, and plant new workouts and show people kind of how to do things the F3 way? As, so it, that's forced us to do a lot of thinking about leadership um, and about what is the specific culture we built here and what's, what, what, you know, what's absolutely necessary to it and what's dispensable. Um, because we've had to get really smart about, you know, when we go in to plant a new workout, like when we came to Chicago last fall, um, we sent guys, teams in for three straight weekends, I think. So they've got roughly three hours worth of workout time to plant a culture with the guys in Chicago, uh, before they go away and, and may never be seen again. Um, so we got, we, we had to get really thoughtful about kind of what is it that makes an F3 workout an F3 workout? What is it that we're doing that, that, really works here and, and, and how do we communicate that in a quick fashion? Yeah, you know, what we did was take a look at the, this original workout that we came from. It was really almost wholly reliant upon the genius of one guy. And he rightly saw that you can't scale genius. It's not possible because you can't replicate the guy. And what Tim and I did was say, well, you could replicate and scale process. And we did that. We figured out what the process was, and we scaled that. Of course, the first thing you then got to do is say, convince yourself you're not a genius. And that was easy for Tim and I to do. <laughs> and say, hey, we needed other guys to buy into this process, and we need to kind of fade. You know, uh, so F3 is not Tim, neither Tim nor I nor any other particular guy. It's not about a guy or any kind of genius. It's about our process that's shown to work under different circumstances in different places if a certain set of elements are in place. And we work to make sure those elements are um, kept in place and that they kept, we replicate them in as close a fashion as we can. And, you know, we found that that, that works. So, so, like, the nicknaming is one of those The nickname right? is one of those things, exactly one of those things. And uh, we've tried some things that, that haven't worked, and we just got rid of them. We've had ideas come to us that were certainly not ours, nor did we even like them. Yet, they worked really well. So we said, again, setting aside our ego, it ain't about us. It's about the process. This idea works. So now it's part of the process. You know, and the analogy that I like to use is that, you know, the McDonald's brothers invented the whole idea, but it was Ray Kroc who turned it into a, a worldwide phenomenon um, because he took that process and he replicated it, whereas McDonald's brothers like, how could you possibly do this without us? Right? Uh, and that's kind of the basis of what we do. Uh, and it will probably change, 
over time because, you know, every time we bump into uh, an obstacle in the form of a confrontational idea, we like to, instead of getting mad or trying to just knock it down, we analyze it. Like, hey, what's this, what was this all about? And then if it works, we try to incorporate it, you know? And it's, uh, I guess, a weird way of management or leadership or whatever, but as long as it keeps working, we just keep doing it. And it seems to keep working. Yeah, it's worked so far. Yeah, and the hands-off approach makes it much easier to scale when you guys aren't micromanaging workouts across several different states, especially if you trust the team and process that you put into place. So I think you're on the right track with that for sure. Can you walk I, us through like I, a, I, I, Oh, sorry. I will, I will. I'm sorry, but I, I'll just I'll occasionally I, I do a lot of traveling and, and pop up at a lot of F3 workouts um, where, you know, I, to me, and it, it becomes almost this little miracle like I will get out of the car at 530 in the morning in Statesboro Georgia and some guy who I have never met or spoken to or even interacted with on social media will lead a pitch perfect f3 workout keep the whole group together for the whole 45 minutes everybody gets a good workout he counts perfectly all this stuff and I'm like this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen <laughs> I've never spoken to this man in my life before um, but but it works because I at the beginning, we figured out a way to give it to some other guys, and they gave it to some other guys. And there's now there's five degrees of separation between me and the guy in Statesboro, Georgia, but it works. That's such a cool story, and I'm sure that is beyond rewarding for you to show up like that to see something that you built. Especially because I didn't have to go to Statesboro, Georgia to plant the thing, right? I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I didn't have to go plant you know 1,300 weekly workouts. Neither of us did. For that's, sure. That's what's, that's what's really neat about it. Can you guys, can you walk us through some of that process? Maybe like kind of your commandments. I know you talked about fitness, fellowship, and faith, but even beyond that, like maybe expand on some more things such as the nickname that that's really helped you grow. And then also walk us through what like a standard template workout for F3 might look like. Yeah. So we simplified this uh, greatly. Now we have a mission, a credo, and five uh, core principles. And we don't really have any rules, commandments, or anything other than that, what I just said. So the mission of F3 Nation, which is us, you know, four or five guys that kind of uh, push this thing out, and then the, the groups collectively. So the mission of F3 Nation is to plant, serve, and grow men's small workout groups in order to vigor, invigorate male community leadership. So that's the mission. Plant, serve, and grow, that's the thing we do. The reason we do it is to invigorate male community leadership, and that's what Tim met being a leadership academy. So we're not really out to create, you know, a bunch of uh, studly ripped 50-year-old guys, although we think we have. <laughs> you know, that, what, that wasn't our mission, right? Well, one of us is exceedingly proud of being yeah. older than 50 yeah, and in really right. great shape. That's right. So like, my, daughters, my daughters always try to steer me out of crowds to get me away from that three guys because we get stuck and they can't leave. I say, how do you guys know who they are? They're like, Old and ripped. That's what they say. <laughs> like, okay, I'll take that. All right, so that's the mission. So the credo is we leave no man behind, but we leave no man where we find him. In other words, if you can't remember the mission, remember that. That's our credo. That's our rallying cry. That we're out there for every single guy who needs it. And we're not going to leave any guy behind. But by the same token, we're not going to blow any sunshine up his ass and say you're a beautiful sunflower where you are. you got work to do and you know it. <laughs> And here's how we're going to help you. So it's about acceleration. So that's our credo. Now, the five core principles are guardrails in a way. You know, they're broad. They allow for a lot of techniques as long as you stay on kind of a broad road. And the first one is that F3 workouts are free of charge. 
we never ever charge a man for a workout. You know, guys demand things like t-shirts and we produce a t-shirt we'll charge them for that. But you know, the workout, the essential thing, the thing you're showing up for is free of charge and always will be. Second core principle is that F3 workouts are open to all men. And that means no man will ever be turned away, you know, run through your, you know, race, creed, color, whatever. That doesn't matter. If you're a man or think you are, show up and you're eligible for an F3 workout. It's open to you. The third one is that F3 workouts are held outdoors. Always outdoors, rain or shine, cold or heat, doesn't matter. Always outdoors. And that means that they're accessible to all men. You know, that they won't have to pass through any gym to get them or whatever that might be. The fourth one is that F3 workouts are always led by a participant in the workout. That's a guy who's part of it, and that's done on a rotating fashion with no training or certification necessary. So it's just very different than any other gym or workout system that we've seen is that, you know, you don't have to go any workout school or how to do it. We're like, you know, running faster and carrying heavy rocks is kind of inherent. Now, guys, learn how to get better at this because if you're not very good at it, we're pretty quick to criticize each other, and you get a lot of input, whether you like it or not, you know, from the guys at the workout. So uh, it, it happens that way. But we have found that it's really important, once a guy joins the workout, to then get him to step up and lead the workout. And for many guys, this is the first time that they've ever gotten the opportunity to stand in front of a group of men and have them respond to their instructions. And for a lot of guys, it's daunting, and that first opportunity doesn't work out very well, and they learn a lot about themselves from doing it. But then again, we leave no man uh, where we find it. That's the fourth core principle. You know, the final core principle is that every F3 workout ends with what we call a circle of trust. And that means we end the workout, we form a circle, and we sit down, and we say each other's, we say each guy's name, so each guy says, this is my name, and that's the name he was born with, what we call the hospital name. And that's what your parents named you before they knew what you are going to be. He says his age, because we have ages that'll 20 to 60, you know, sometimes 15 to 70 uh, in any workout. And age is important, man. And then finally we say, you know, your F3 uh, nickname. And then if you're a, a friendly new guy in FNG, you say FNG and we give you your name right there on the spot. Those five core principles guide every single workout and everything we do. And that leaves every single what we call a cue, that's our leader of a workout, a tremendous amount of discretion to figure out how he wants to run his workout. And OBT will give you a, a good breakdown on a typical workout. Yeah, yeah. So, look, that, like Dave said, those are, those are kind of guardrails. I got a call a couple ago from the head of one of our regions in South Carolina saying, hey, you know, we got guys who want to run a pickup basketball workout. Is that, is that okay? I'm not really sure that's okay. And we kind of went through it, and we figured out, publicly accessible, open to all men, uh, end with a circle of trust. Yeah, I think so. No, no reason not to. That, that can be an F3 workout. And we've had guys do swimming-based F3 workouts. We have guys do cycling F3 workouts. The base F3 workout and, and the one that I, I would sort of think of as kind of our core offering is a boot camp-style workout. It mixes running with body weight exercise set pieces. So the, the analogy I always use is kind of think of, of an F3 workout as balls on a string, and the string is the running. We're going to keep guys in motion in one way or another for 45 minutes or an hour, but every once in a while we're going to stop, and we're, do, we're either going to put the, the cue will either put guys in a circle of pain and 
call a bunch of exercising cadence, or we might go to the bottom of a hill and, hey, everybody run up to the hill, do one burpee, run back down, run back up, do two burpees, do that to seven burpees. We call that a, a Jacob's Ladder. Um, and we've got a whole, on the website, what we call an Exacon, which is a database of different exercises and set pieces that guys have contributed kind of wiki style over the years. And and any any good cue, any, anybody who's getting ready to lead an F3 workout or is doing one off the top of his head is usually going to kind of do some sort of mixture of running and set pieces uh, to fill that, that 45 minutes. And, and how, how smoothly it runs and, or versus how disjointed it is, is is usually a measure of how many times you've done it before. Um, I went out yesterday morning and I had a goal of, of making the guys I was leading run at least uh, 3.1 miles uh, during the workout. Um, and uh, but but do some burpees there and some other stuff and and by the end of it we'd we'd hit 3.2 miles exactly so um, that's that's kind of your basic uh, that if if you think of kind of the classic F3 format it's really that that pearls on a string format and with the other thing I'll add with that is that the, we we are neither of us is an exercise physiologist or you know anything of that nature but what we found is that combination of running. And sort of body weight strength stuff is gets guys in in really incredible shape. I mean, you get to the point where the running is your rest in between the other stuff you do, and and guys who come out for the first time and are huffing and puffing just can't believe it. And I'm like, give this six weeks, and and you're going to look forward to the running part of it. And uh, it gets guys in in really kind of incredible shape. So that's, we roll with it. Yeah, that that that's yeah, great. That, I love that, the. That's, that's, the principles behind it as well as the the execution piece i mean that works that just works as you guys um i think what what's one thing that that i really want to dive into is a little bit more into the progression you made a um, a comment about how you pick things up along the way that work you also made a comment that sometimes you don't agree with them but they work can you give us a couple examples of things that were working that you were like ah, it just doesn't seem like something we want to do but it works so well that you implemented it and, it and it's one of those ones that maybe initially you weren't sure of but now it's like a, a staple part of the program or something that's helped it develop i think as a you know as an entrepreneur and as a business person um jason and i always have a million new ideas every single day and we've our game plan is very similar to what you guys said how if something starts working and we like doing it, we just continue to run with it. Um, and so I'd love to hear some examples of that for people out there that are either running their own business or, or trying to just do something new for themselves. Well, so one thing I'll say, and I want to throw it to Dave uh, to, to answer the main part of the question. As far as the entrepreneurial thing, one one thing I always tell folks is, we have a huge advantage in this regard because we are a non-revenue based business, right? <laughs> no, so, no risk. Whatsoever. Right. There's no, so, so when, when the CrossFit box down the street goes out of business, um, that's, that's some guy or girl's livelihood right there. Right. And there's, there's some personal and business risk associated with that. There's some heartache or struggle with us. When we shut down a workout, cause only 10 guys are showing up and 30 are going to the one, you know, five blocks away. 
you know, that's just the market speaking, and and there's no, no there's no revenue loss, there's no no life is on the line in any way, and so it, it just makes it a lot easier for us to be very experimental and say, look, you know, this was a great workout for a long time. We had one that was an it was sort of obstacle course training for doing kind of mud runs and Spartans and that kind of stuff that was on a Friday that was one of the earliest uh, kind of the the very first schedule that we ever put together. That was the Friday staple, and, and guys just wouldn't shut it down um even though you know it was clear you know five two guys were showing up one guy would sometimes nobody would show up and finally we were like guys it's there's nothing to be lost here nobody's doing it anymore let's go do something else and sure enough we went and did something else and it's it's fine everybody's fine so um that's just i would say that's the difference um is there's no there's there's no livelihood on the line um in in that regard and and that just be a lot more experimental but at the same time i would say there is a lesson to be taken in terms of that willingness and, and openness to new ideas that I think a lot of people get stuck on. So I'll, I'll let Dave give a couple of examples. Yeah, I mean, for me, the most recent one is this whole uh, what we call ruckership idea, which is uh, that the, uh, the workout itself is carrying a rucksack over some sort of distance. With weight inside. With weight inside, yeah. you know. And, uh, you know, I was in the Army for nine years, and I was in the Infantry and Special Forces, so I carried a rucksack all the time. And we trained on that because I had to do it. It was part of my job, but I didn't necessarily—I didn't think I don't remember liking it. <laughs> you know, it was like a, it wasn't a workout. You know, it was something you had to train to. For and you know, I just don't—I don't remember liking it very much. Painful, you know. And when I got out of the army, I went to law school. I said, "That's the last time I'll carry, I'll carry a darn rucksack the rest of my life." Well, you know. We uh, have guys in F3 over time are carrying these rucksacks around and they're trying to turn into a workout. And I initially was. You thought I, it was crazy. I thought it was crazy. I was like, it's not a workout. It's like, none of you guys are a bunch of account, accountants. You know, you need, if you want to work out, like carry a pen around or something. I mean, it didn't, <laughs> you know, it didn't make any sense to me. But what I kept noticing is that it was catching on. And then, uh, you know, guys were doing these go-ruck challenges, and that's all rucksack. And then I was listening to a uh, Art of Manly's podcast, and, you know, uh, they're talking about how great, how much better rucking is than running, you know? And I'm like, that's crazy. <laughs> and, uh, but, but I kind of kept those observations to myself or only expressed them to Tim, you know, because uh, the last thing I want to do is have my personal biases affect something that might be really successful, right? And that's one that's a kind of a negative character a leader leadership trait is to to allow your personal biases to to uh stumble something that might be good for the organization. And I couldn't help but I, I could see it. There's a lot of guys that were getting a heck of a lot out of it. So the next step for me of course is to try it. And uh which I did. And uh I could find I found out why guys liked it. I mean it doesn't increase your heart rate the way running and boot camping does, uh, but it gives you a more sustained workout over time. It develops a different muscles, and it allows... Lower, lower impact on your joints. Lower impact on your joints, uh, and it allows for a little more thorough discourse, particularly for guys who aren't uh, able to talk a million miles a minute when they're running, uh, which, which for perverse reasons, the, the good Lord has provided me with that uh, dubious gift. So for a lot of guys... I think of a guy who I was running with, as this guy never talks, but with a rucksack, you know, he talks all the time. Now, this is a big part of our workout, which we haven't talked about before, is we talk like crazy. 
during a work during the workouts, not just afterwards. We call that mumble chatter, you know. So we're constantly talking, and I, and I found that uh, this rucking idea provided another avenue for working out, and it was particularly helpful for guys who maybe weren't very good runners or had bad joints or whatever. And uh, it's become a big thing for us now. So uh, I think that was a, a, a big, you know, a good idea for us that we, yeah, if it was up to me, we probably wouldn't have explored. Now, I'll call Tim out because the original circle of trust idea came from another guy. This was very early on, and uh, we weren't doing that. We just kind of would end the workout. And uh, this guy says, oh, look, we need to come together and have this moment where we say each other's names, you know, have this quick prayer. And surprisingly, OBT, who's a little more of the left side of the spectrum. A little more of a communitarian. Yeah, a little more than I am. He rejects it and says, ah, kumbaya, oh, Girl Scout crap, we're not doing that. <laughs> and I said, well, not so fast there. Uh, I think, you know, it would help me because I can't keep track of who's coming to these workouts. Let's just give it a shot. And as it turned out, it was an immediate hit with the guys. This is really like the first year. Yeah, this is like two or three months in. Right. And it became such a hit, it went from a hit to a staple to a core principle. And, uh, you know, those are two ideas that, you know, Tim and I, I think, because of our, right from the start, because we share leadership, and we were very determined to never have this organization be about one guy, and we counterbalance each other very well. You know, those are two ideas, the ruckership thing and this circle of trust thing that didn't appeal to one or the other, and we said, well, wait a second, you know, keep our minds open to it. And uh, that's evolved uh, in our leadership group into a, an ethic that we hold on to of shared leadership, which is... We, we really will debate an idea uh, even if a couple of us hate it. And really, the only uh, criteria get it, you know, a threshold criteria is, is it working? I mean, do, do guys like it? I mean, if it's working, and, and we can see it because it'll jump from one region to another, you know, no matter whether a couple of us don't like it, we look at it hard and debate it. And at the end of that debate, you know, unless there's really a, a good reason to do so, you know, we're likely to embrace it unless we have to reject it. Yeah, I think that's really important, especially when you're in a group environment to be able to kind of like step out of your own way, especially it's nice that you guys have such a great partnership. It's something that, um, Brett and I have definitely used to our advantage too that we're not just one person so when one person says something that doesn't really make any sense or should be stepping out of the way with something like a personal bias it's really allowed kind of like our company and mission to flourish so I think that's that's an awesome point that you guys made and you also brought up something that I think is super important I love the idea of your circle of trust at the end and I think that's such an important part of your mission and the way that you run each workout because I've been on a little bit of a crusade over the last while to spread or decrease the stigma around men's wellness because you even brought it up like oh you're just talking about your age you want to sit down and share something personal that's a bit kumbaya but there's so much stigma around men's wellness that we need to be closed off and macho but I think that these workouts give you such a cool forum to one, get your endorphins up and do something kind of manly and get out and move, but then also find an amazing community to share something about yourself and kind of plug back in. And Brett and I have found 
such an amazing response to that. So part of our business is running retreats and on the retreat, the big purpose of getting out of you know your normal environment is that we get to shut down some of these external stressors. And as amazing as I'm sure your kids are and your relationships are, like sometimes getting away from that and plugging back into just like movement and being able to share maybe some of your challenges and connect is so important. So I, I, I love that you guys have that as part of your workout and uh, I think that's really cool. Yeah, and it, you, know, you guys are probably seeing this already. It's a gift you give to guys. Uh, it's, it's a total gift. Uh, it's almost like a freedom that you give them. Like, like got a lot of guys, we can talk about that. I mean, nobody's going to make fun of me. Yeah, we're going to make fun of you in a good way, right? That it's, that it's, this is what we do as men. And there's nothing wrong with opening up and revealing that. And we, I mean, it's Peru still fresh on my mind, but, you know, we would go up on the roof of the building we were in every night and, and talk about stuff. And guys just opened up. And uh, I know there's no way they would have done that if we didn't already have this uh, bond of trust built up because we'd all been working out together for years. And guys already knew that once the circle is formed, that what that means is you can say true things about yourself and that the reaction you're going to get from guys is uh, basically uh, in two in two ways. A, empathy, because it's happened to me, and here's what I did, or whatever, or sympathy. It doesn't happen to me. But I love you. But there, before the grace of God, come yeah. on. Right? But I love you, brother. And you know, how can I help you? You know, you're going to get one of those two things. And uh, I never thought of this as a skill, you know, uh, but it really is, because you know, you know, even you know, this thing in our culture right now uh, uh, with guys is like we're supposed to be tough, and at the same time, you know, we're supposed to open up and uh, express ourselves. But that's easy to say unless you've actually done it. I mean, the safe... Yeah, yes, take some practice. If the safe play is to not do it, right? I mean, you know, I mean, it's just... It's just you know, most guys are risk-averse in that way. What's going to happen? You know, uh, you got to have some positive outcomes uh, and see it modeled for you. And I just believe it's a form of leadership. Some guys got to be the first guy to say, all right, I'll say it first. I'm afraid I can't measure up. I'll say it first. I'm afraid I'm not a very good father. I'm afraid that, you know, my wife doesn't love me anymore. You know, she's just staying with me because, you know, she doesn't have anywhere else to go. I'm afraid of all these things. These are all true fears that men have. And the older you get, they don't get better. They just, you know, you just numb them out. And, uh, you know, that's another reason, by the way, it's an all-male group. Because, you know, we're obviously not going to have those conversations with women around because that's inappropriate, right? Um, so we have learned that this skill, this uh, skill of revealing oneself and the pain and fear that we have so that we can reveal to other guys and get empathy and sympathy and have other guys help us through it has been 50% of the group, maybe, yeah. 50% yeah. of the utility of it. And there's plenty of guys will tell you they hate the workout, they come for the, that part of it, which we call <laughs> the second half fellowship. Uh, they, only, they pay the price of the workout to get the second half. So, you know, that's, that's a great thing you guys are doing, and we're glad you kind of – stumbled into it independently the way we have because the more guys we see doing it you know the better off you know uh, uh, the male condition is going to be in America and hopefully elsewhere absolutely and the the other thing to tie back that leadership to something that you said earlier I think it was your fourth principle about it's led by a participant that you force new people to lead workouts to it's just like light the fire 
Like, you need a kick in the ass to do something. And even if you aren't good at it, getting uncomfortable in front of a group of people that you know isn't going to judge you, that doesn't decrease the risk before you do it. But it certainly decreases the punch in the mouth if you don't do it very well after. Um, I, I think that's such an awesome thing that you, you kind of kick people headfirst into that. And you're just like, hey, you know what? You're going to take a stand and try something different. And even if it doesn't work out, the point that you did it and maybe shared your fear over it is the whole journey. Like that is I, what's I, important. I gotta, and, and I, you know, I, I need to give, I think Dave and I both give credit to the guy who led that, that predecessor workout that, that we met at. Because we, you know, it was really Jeff's workout and he had started it. But I remember within four or five weeks of me first going out there in the summer of 08, um, Jeff you said, hey, why don't you lead next week? And I was like, man, I got no idea what I'm going to do, except the only, the only idea I had was I, I could run a little better than most of these guys. I was heavier than I am now, but I was, I'd been running marathons since I was in my early 20s. And, uh, and these guys didn't do much running. They mostly did push-ups and, and, and jungle gym type stuff. And, uh, and so I took them out of the park where we met, and I, I ran them up and down a hill nearby for the whole hour, and I hated it. <laughs> but but at the end, I had brought this. I, I I now owned a piece of that workout, right? I had brought this piece of myself. I had kind of made it my own in a way, and I never forgot that. Like that that for me changed the whole equation. Like this was kind of my workout. Now and then, same thing when Dave came in. Um, I think a year after I did. Um, first time he led, he started counting cadence. Uh, you know, in, in very similar fashion to what he had he had learned when he was leading PT in the army, and that was something new. That was something nobody had ever done before there were really cool effects to to doing that um and and so now he owned a piece of the workout as well and i that for us i think was foundational to the sense of you know you've got to share that leadership because if it's just tim and dave's workout every week i you know i know the november project guys really went through some of this when they were scaling out um of you know if it's not these two founders leading it are people still going to come and the only way you can do that is by kind of removing yourself and getting other people to step up and lead and now they've got that feeling of ownership and they can take it and go go give it away to somebody else uh, and that, that that principle allows different people to buy in and then you just encourage like localized leaderships and I also think it yeah. allows you to take advantage of like local on-site cultural differences like some people in certain areas probably have access to different things like in chicago we have a lakefront and a river and in charlotte your environment looks different than somebody in georgia which looks different from somebody in california and i think it's cool that you empower local people to guide the way that those communities work under the umbrella of here's why we're doing it yep absolutely 100 percent on you guys seem to draw a ton of, or a lot of military influence, um, obviously from from Dave and just the way it, it just kind of sounds and is set up. Do you guys get a lot of veterans that join, or a lot of buy-in from former servicemen? You know, a little less than uh, I think some guys expect. I'm I'm not really that surprised by that. Uh, actually, um, the. Uh, I think in the minds of a lot of former military guys, they got enough of that. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know well, I, that's the last thing they want to do is get up at 5.15 and do PT. You know? yeah. you know, uh, another part of it, too, is, and this is a little bit, and this is something I want to try to help guys overcome, is, you know, when you are in the military, they're about 
teaching you to be a leader from day one. I mean, it is a, a leadership development process, always. And, uh, you know, with leadership comes responsibility. And the responsibility of leadership in the military wears you down a lot. I mean, it's a 20-year gig. I mean, I did it for nine years. And I remember being looking forward to getting out in the sense of not having to take responsibility for other guys' screw-ups anymore, you know? I mean, that's part of what it is. And uh, I think that a lot of guys, uh, you know, they get out of the military and they're like, ah, you know, I'm just not interested in, in having that anymore. They've got, they've, got enough, they've got enough leadership. And when I say when I talk to guys and I sense that about them, I come at it from the other end and I say, well, we need you, man. You know, you know, if they say, look, I got enough of that in the military. And I say, it's not, I'm not offering it to you. I'm telling you, I need you. You know, I need the kind of training you have because the great majority of American men now in this era don't have military service. That means they're missed out on the most efficient leadership training program there is. And they got to get it somewhere. Uh, and so we're one of the, we're one of the groups that try to provide it. And four military guys are just a great source of leadership training. And I, I try to get guys in for that very reason. And I think once they give it a shot and they see, you know, you know, the opportunity to do that, I think we get a lot more guys in. But I think the other thing is, you just, it really is true. You know, you go into a, a, a movie theater and there's, if there's 300 guys sitting there, raise your hand, every guy who's been in the military. You know, 10 guys maybe? Yeah. I mean, it just isn't that many guys. Yeah. That's I, a low number. I, I will tell you, the, one, the group that we attract is guys who really have a heart for the military. Yeah, well, they, may not, they may not have served themselves personally, but maybe they got a father or an uncle or a cousin who served and, and also just guys who are, you know, very patriotic. And so we do, we end up with a lot of kind of military focused philanthropic efforts. Um, we had, we, we, so we were overwhelmed by them. Um, and, and people tend to naturally come to, to Dave with them because of his service. Um, we had to appoint a guy basically our head of, of our service to troops. Because um, we had so many opportunities coming our way, and as we've gotten into doing uh, more of this rock-related stuff, um, that that really obviously has a huge military overtone to it. That's an activity that crossed over directly from the military into the civilian population, um, and that's that kind of furthers the uh, the connection as well. Yeah, I think that that that's a very interesting point where you have the that crossover of those that are somewhat impacted by the. The military or the army or, or any active of service with you, um, Dred. What drew you into this, and and how does that? How do you differ from those that maybe are like oh, I had enough of that? Where was you know what was your thought process, and why were you kind of like this is something I really want to get back into, and this is something that you know makes me you know know I'm doing something good. Because he got fat after he left the military. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, uh, so I got out of the military in '94 on a Friday, and by Monday I was in law school. And uh, you know, I weighed about 170 pounds, and I was—I thought it was, you know, the, the biggest stutter. Walked out of Fort Bragg, and by Christmas I gained 50 pounds uh, and couldn't run a mile. And you know, I found out that I had no self-discipline. That all the discipline I thought I had all came from, you know, the guys who were around me. Uh, that it was all external to me. And I spent the next, I don't know, 15 years trying to recapture it on my own in one way or another. So I would gain 30 pounds, I'd lose 30 pounds, you know, and in the same way my weight would go up, it was a, it was a pretty good barometer to my attitude and everything else about life. 
You know, when I was fat, I was a bad father. When I was fat, I was a bad husband. When I was fat, I was a bad lawyer. And then when I was skinny, I was good, but I wasn't skinny long enough, you know? <laughs> uh, and, you know, finally, I was in one of those fat days, and I'm sitting by the community pool here in Charlotte, and uh, one of my skinny neighbors walks by, and I say, how the heck, what are you doing? You know, how were you doing that? You know, I was getting ready to try to get thin again, and he was it going to this workout, and he described it to me, and he... I, I made him bring me. I made him bring me to it. You know, first he made me lose thirty pounds. You know, because I was an embarrassment. I can't bring you out looking like. That. Yeah, I, but then I did, and I went out, and I, and uh, you know, I was just absolutely hooked by. It. You know, I mean, I, I was ready to stop trying to control my weight and my fitness and my happiness level myself, because that that had been a fifteen year failure experiment. I was ready to turn that over to a group of other men to help me with it. And I found that that was the secret. That as long as I didn't try myself to stay thin and stay productive and happy, as long as I kind of, I, I, I side-sourced that. That's what we call it. You know, I delegated it sideways uh, as part of a contract. In other words, I said, OBT, I'll help you do it if you help me do it. And, and, and that turned out to be the trick, you know, because on the days... Then I'm not feeling good, OBT kicks me in the ass, and vice versa. And, and as it turns out that between the two of us, neither one of us has enough self-discipline to stay anywhere near the middle of the road. But, but between the two of us, you know, we do. And we have like a reservoir of it, you know, a community reservoir of, of self-discipline and desire and drive to be good fathers, good husbands, and, and good all those things men have to be. And that really is, is all it is. It, it's like a bunch of of uh, half-formed idiots who have one-tenth of what they need to be a decent guy. And we but, could, if you, but if you shove yeah, it into the pot. Yeah, we shove it into the pot, and you know the pot's open for you when you need it, right? And uh, we all know that. Many in the morning I wake up and say, I don't feel like it. And that would have been the day that I started getting fat again, you know, back in the old days. But because, you know, I know that Tim's going to be out there, and I said I was going to be there, or, you know, even more compelling, some new guy that I convinced to go, and I'm like, ah, oh, that, that guy's going to show up and think it's bullshit because I'm not here, right? So that drives me out. And, you know, and I've come to, now that we've been doing this for eight years or whatever, and I look back on it, I realize that's all the military is. It's instead of, you know, a hundred guys carrying a rifle, you know, individually to defend our country, it's a hundred guys who form a unit. And that's all unit is. It's a, it's a unified group of men with a common purpose. So I, I guess having realized that in retrospect that we've created that sense of unity, a unit, unity of, of men with a common purpose to be better leaders in our communities, and part of that is being fit. And for me, that's the secret sauce. Yeah, I think that that is, that is that's the way it is. That's you got to have that community, and you guys have to work together. And when you have that sense. You can, you can overcome so many obstacles. One of the big things you hit on and one of the big things that Jason and I try to preach is that consistency game. If you do something consistently that's good for you, you will see a result. There's just no way around it. And speaking of consistency, what does the average week look like for a market um, for F3? If somebody wants to get involved in Chicago or Charlotte or one of the other states, one of the other workouts, you know, what are they going to get in a week? Um, what's the setup like so that they can get involved? I kind of want to start getting into, let's let's talk about how people can start doing this because I want to get in on it. This sounds sweet. 
There, there you go. There you go. So we, if you go on to F3Nation.com, um, you will find a map uh, that's on the front page or linked directly from the front page. If you, I think on the on the home page it says where is F3, and it'll take you to a a map, and you can search. Uh, it says uh, find a workout. Dave, Dave brought it up here. Find a workout. Click there, and it's going to take you to a, a map page, and you can put in your zip code or your state or your city, um, and it's going to spit out um, a list of kind of nearby workouts um, and sort of usually by day of the week. So typically, you know, in a fully developed market like Char- what we call Charlotte Metro, which is kind of close in neighborhoods of, of Charlotte, um, we're actually programmed seven days a week. Um, in in Chicago, where we're still growing, we've got um, we've got a workout downtown in, in Millennium Park. I know those guys are going on Saturdays. I think maybe uh, there's also a couple of weekday workouts. The nice thing with, with that one is we can we tend to staff it with a lot of uh, F3 veterans because a lot of them have to travel to Chicago for work and they're staying uh, in the loop or near the loop, and so they love posting at Millennium Park and uh, um, helping lead those workouts or just taking part in them. And then we're also in uh, in Naperville um, and one of the other suburbs, which I'm going to forget here, um, but uh, um, Naperville and uh, Wheaton as well. So, um, and, and I think those guys are going a couple of weekdays as well. So Saturday is kind of considered the core F workout, 7 to 8 a.m. usually on Saturday morning. Um, and then we kind of plant from there, and usually the guys will add a Wednesday workout first and then start programming other days of the week. Here in Charlotte, um, the big running days are kind of Tuesdays and Thursdays, and Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday tend to be kind of the boot camp days. Um, the other thing that, that you'll see in a lot of markets as they mature is guys start adding, hey, let's do a kettlebell workout or let's do some form of gear workout. Maybe one guy owns some, some big tires that you can bring out to flip or battle ropes or, or whatever, maybe a weight sled, um, and he'll sort of throw that out there and let guys run around and do a gear workout uh, for, for 45 minutes or an hour. Um, we've got track workouts. We've got sort of scheduled group runs. Um, all, all kinds of difference in, you know, and Dave mentioned the, the rucks as well. So it really, um, it's up to each location to kind of figure out what the market will bear and what, what the demand is there for. Um, and we kind of go from there. And so if I was to log, log on to the site and look into it, do you just show up? Um, do you have to sign up? Do you have to, I know you guys are pretty nope. active on Twitter. Just, just show up. Um, Tell them you're an FNG. You, you should get a get a a, a, a huge welcome because that's guy. The, the one thing across the nation that you get is guys love it when a new guy comes out. You know, I mean that's and it's and you know there's an element of oh fresh meat, but but it's actually I mean the the thing that we see culturally across the entire group is it's a genuine excitement. Like hey, here's a new guy who's come out and he's found us and and this is awesome. And I, I had a friend say to me um, that. You know, he, he likened it. it. It really is kind of a fraternity for grown-ups, except he said the thing that he loved about it was that the most celebrated guy uh, at any workout is, is the new guy or the guy who's at the back of the pack. Um, and that's um, so he, 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 the point he was making was it was such a different mentality than what holds holds in a lot of college fraternities. Um, but that is really kind of one of the neat things about it is guys are, are you know, genuinely excited to have, have new guys out there and, and get a chance to nickname you and bring you into the circle. So just show up. Um, if it's if 
it's cold weather, cold weather, you might want to uh, want to bring some gloves because um, we do put our hands on the ground and uh, um, do some push-ups and stuff like that. Um, uh, other than that, a pair of running shoes. Uh, I'd leave the yoga mat and the uh, water bottle in the car. Um, and uh, and then the other thing is we've got a section. If you go to that website on the homepage, there's a drop down that says I'm new, um, and we've got a page that's an introduction to F3, and then another page that talks about ten steps for a new guy, and then we got something Dave and I wrote a few years ago. The, the top five excuses that we get for guys uh, when we try to put them in the emotional headlock to come out, they're the top five excuses and, and how to counter those. So that's good good ammunition. I love that. Um, the first the first one is always ah, I'm not a morning person. Um, and then there, there's a bunch of others. I got I got a personal trainer I'm working with that I like a lot. Um, this kind of sounds like a cult. Um, I need to get in shape to come work out with you guys, which, as, as Dave is fond of saying, that's a little bit like if I invite you out to, to get a beer and you're like, hey, I can go get drunk before I meet you for a beer, you know? <laughs> yeah. The whole point is you're going to get in shape. Oh, Just come God. and suck it up. I hear all those almost daily. <laughs> yeah. That, there you go. That's great. I think. Um, yeah, well, definitely. Um, I know that Kevin, uh, my good buddy Kevin McMillan, his nickname is Denari. I'm going to have to dig into why yes. that, why that's his nickname, and I'll and I'll work for that. But he's um, he's kind of developed and, and helped you guys a lot with the Chicago market, and he's the one that introduced us. So I want to, um, you know, no, he's, highlight he's been him huge. You know, you're you're my second podcast introduction that he made. He he tried to get us on Jocko Willink's podcast first, but Jocko isn't responding. So I appreciate you all responding. <laughs> You'll get Jocko soon. You'll get him soon. Yeah. Once you start hosting jujitsu, I'm, I'm kind of afraid of Jocko. Jocko's army, maybe guys, but but uh, I'm kind of afraid of Jocko. He's kind of intimidating. There's bit. certain people to be afraid of, and he's he's, he's one a, of them. He's at the top of the list for sure. <laughs> so we always ask. Um, <laughs> And, and I'd like each of you to, to, to say this one separately. Um, our motto is have the best day ever every single day. And we've distilled that in people. And every time we say it the first time, it's a chuckle. But then when we sign every email with it, when we put it every Instagram post and we say it every single class we lead, people start to really believe in that. And, you know, you can make today like it's your opportunity to make it the best day ever. And so I'd like to start with either of you guys. Um, what does your best day ever look like if you were to wake up tomorrow and do anything you wanted in the world, anywhere in the world? What would it be and why? Oh, I mean, uh, uh, that's pretty easy. I mean, I'm pretty happy living my life here in Charlotte exactly the way I'm living. So waking up with my three daughters, waking up with them safe and sound in the house, getting out to a workout, coming back, seeing them get off to school, uh, get down to my law practice and have a day practicing law and then get back home and uh, have dinner with my family. For me, if I could bottle that and replicate it uh, ad infinitum, that's what I would do. So I, I would just say, I mean, for me, very similar. Um, but, you know, I'm, I, one of the things I've done, Dave is still a, a full-time practicing lawyer. I've, I've actually, I'm spending full-time uh, running a business that we've set up alongside F3 that's called the Iron Project. And we basically work with um, with other organizations to try to bring some of the leadership principles that we've learned through F3 uh, into those organizations. So for me, it's really, you know, chance, uh, obviously I would, you know, and any any best day ever is going to start with, with a workout. 
um, with the guys. And then it's really it's a chance to get out there and, and do some teaching um, and some some leadership uh, teaching with other folks uh, through the Iron Project. I, I find that that's just incredibly gratifying for me. And and then and then to to be able to spend the, the evening and, and the end of the day with my my wife and my my kids is uh, is that's the way I want to want to end every day. So and I've been married 20 years as of yesterday. So uh, congratulations! Um, certainly uh, having my wife there with me is a, is a huge part of that. Congratulations on that. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, and then one one final final question, um, and this will be geared towards all of our male listeners, is what would be um, just a, a simple piece of advice you would give to any male, um, and let's let's say any male that has considered or um, or has come to one of your workouts, um, you know, what would be just one piece of advice you guys have interacted with thousands of people, whether it's in a workout, after a workout, or hearing about them? Um, you guys have, have, have seen a lot of guys do a lot of cool stuff. What's what's one bit of advice you'd give, give a guy um, to continue his success or, or to make a change? Um, uh, this is Tim, and I'll, I'll, I'll go first. I'll let Dave kind of close it out. But, I, I mean, for me, it's really my biggest thing with all of this is I don't really care how you work out. I often, I, people have heard me say this a million times, but, like, if a study comes out 10 years from now that says the best thing that guys can do for their, their, their health is to sit around in a circle and just breathe and be silent for 45 minutes and somebody wants to start F3 Quaker meeting, um, I'm cool with that. That's great. That's awesome. I just want I want guys to do something. That is my big thing. I want you to do something. Don't just sit there and let life happen to you. Um, don't just sit there and be unhappy because you feel like you can't change anything. Go do something. And for, for so many guys that we know and, and guys that we love, um, that, that first something has been, you know, put on a pair of shoes and, and come out and, and do a workout in the morning of some sort. So. Yeah, I'm going to say something very similar, which is uh, I'm just fascinated by the idea of seeking advantage in your life. That's just some place or thing that's superior to where you are right now. And that has to be your vision. You have to determine what that advantage is, and then you have to pursue it. And the only way you can do that is through movement. And movement shouldn't be measured against any other gauge, any external gauge. It simply should be, are you moving faster than you today than you were yesterday? Are you accelerating? So accelerating, moving towards advantage is, is my, my leadership rally and cry. And uh, if a guy asks me, well, how do I do that? I say in all things, literally and metaphorically, just run with younger, faster guys. Because that will get you faster. I mean, uh, you know, you can apply that uh, in just about everything. Find guys that are moving more quickly than you are and try to stay with them. And uh, that's, that's my best advice whether you're trying to be faster, uh, be a faster runner, be a stronger guy, or be a better lawyer. Faster, younger guys. Yeah, the younger maybe with lawyers, you can turn that into older. Yeah, there's some wisdom there. There's some wisdom there. But that's about it. Yeah, that, that, those are, that's, that's great advice. I think that's stuff that resonates with Jason and I, and, and I think something that our, our listeners will will definitely find true because we preach movement and we preach just progressing so you guys are continuing to do that this this workout that started on january 1st 2011 is now turning into something that's recognized all around the country and it's something that we um as fitness professionals and as motivators and as males 
couldn't be more proud that um, other guys are doing. So we're, we're super excited for you guys. And if there's anything we can do to help grow it, you guys let us know. And we're going to, we're going to start getting our asset to some of these workouts. Yeah, man. Get, need, need to get you out there. Uh, one thing I'll say, we're going to uh, we're expanding this spring to um, the Washington D.C. suburbs, to Phoenix, Arizona, Detroit, Kansas City, and Omaha. Wow. And our, our friend Jimmy, who leads expansion, would be would be really mad at me if I did not get that out in front of your listeners. Yeah, gotta plug so, Omaha. Yeah, gotta gotta plug yeah. Omaha. Exactly. Awesome. Everybody in Omaha, y'all need to come out. We're <laughs> we're fired up for this one. So um and uh, and we're we're actually we're hoping to make it out to Chicago ourselves uh maybe later this year uh, for an event or a visit. So uh we'll we'll certainly look you guys up when we uh, when we get out there. For sure. And uh you guys mentioned the website F three Nation. Where else can people find you? Uh Instagram, Twitter, any other uh, social platforms? Uh, we, we've got F3 Nation on Instagram and on Facebook as well. And then um, I'll, I'll plug the Iron Project as well. And that, that website is theironproject.com um, and, uh, and at Project Iron on, on Twitter. So at anybody who has heard anything they like and, and feels like we might be able to add value to their organization, we're more than happy to have a conversation about where we can be of service. Awesome. Well, Dread OBT, thank you guys so much and have the best day ever. Awesome. Thank you. You guys too.